Wonderful. Thanks, Emily. Hope you enjoyed the little video that kind of links in with what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, I've hot-footed it over to from Weedy Castle this morning. It was good to be over there and uh, packed out over there as well. It was really good. Very difficult to park this morning, coming here. I kind of blocked everybody in. Sorry about that. So... Uh, so you might be here till about five o'clock, so uh, no, it's not true. Wendy moved my car, which was good of her. So it was great there. They've signed up loads of people for going to Western Supermare. They've half-filled a coach already. It's amazing, Weedy Castle. So you need to, we need to kind of book in to see how many coaches that we need. And uh, Rachel stood up and said, we're going to sing all these songs on the coach. <laughs> and Emily's just said, we're going to sing all these songs on the other coach. I'm going in the car, so... <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not. Anyway. <laughs> so there's a particular subject I'd like us to uh, look at this morning. It's entitled Rest uh, Assured. Now, you've probably heard the phrase, it's not what you know, but who you know that counts. You've probably heard that phrase. I don't know if you have. And I was thinking, you know, who do I know that's been really helpful to me? Now, obviously, family, close friends, etc., etc. You, very helpful. I thought, has anybody really opened doors for me? And I thought that there has been one person. And it's a guy called Steve. Now, Steve was destined to become the England national men's football manager. I know. And he was a good friend of a friend of mine. No, he's a good friend of a friend of mine called John. Now, John worked with us in the Northeast. He's a force of nature. And he knew Steve. Steve was going to be destined to the England football manager. Because... John's wife, John's wife was a hairdresser, and Steve's wife goes into the hairdresser. Are you with me so far? <laughs> Two great things about Steve. One is, he became a Christian, amazing testimony of how he became a Christian, and actually started to go to the church that Emma is from, um, from Darlington. So, a great story how he became a Christian, because he's online, he's probably not fair to kind of say. The second thing is, for Steve, is after becoming a Christian, God blesses him so much that he becomes the football manager of my team, Derby County. (laughs) Every spiritual blessing for him. God just pours it out on him after he became a Christian. So, John says to Steve, I know two Derby County fans. Amazing that John would know both of us. So... (laughs) And he did. He knew both of us. And, um, and so Steve says, why don't the three of you come to a match, and, you know, with all the hospitality? Now, John wasn't up for it. He's supporting Middlesbrough, whoever they are. Anyway, so me and my mate, we go to Derby County for this match against Brighton, and we were treated like VIPs. It was amazing. So we had a good parking. We uh, had this meal. We had uh, the best seats. Um, even the, the man of the match came to talk to us afterwards and half an hour after the match after you know Steve had told them how good they'd done because they'd won because uh, he was in a good mood he says just come and join us so for half an hour we went and joined him and the coaching staff had coffee and stuff like that I told Steve how to pick the team next week and um, no I didn't do that anyway and um, so I thought he would say I was really hoping he'd say Phil anytime come anytime he didn't actually he says, next time you come, try and bring John with you. Uh, that was it. But he didn't say come 
any time. But it does make me think, think of a verse that access. Because in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this, According to the eternal purpose which he, God, accomplished in Christ, we now have access and can approach God boldly and confidently through Christ. So we have far more access than what I've just described, far better access than what I've described, and it is any time. So it's wonderful that God says through Christ we have access boldly and confidently, full access, access to every area. But what is important is that we say to God himself as well, you can have access to every area too. I mean, what's the point in God graciously opening all access to him when we limit his access to us? And there's one area that I want to touch on this morning, and the title is called Rest Assured that God, we give him access to our rest. Now, how does this happen? What is this saying? But let me say something firstly about work, because he was talking in the video, wasn't he, about glorifying God within our work. Now, Aristotle, the philosopher, he says this, unemployment was a primary qualification for a genuine, worthwhile life. So if you get that, what he's saying is, that for a worthwhile life, the best thing to do is to get yourself in a position where you do no work. And he's probably following on this guy from Ecclesiastes. If you read Ecclesiastes and the guy's approach to work, you read it, he's, he's having a bad life, never mind a bad day. Because even just one verse, you can read the whole chapter in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, he says, so I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me, all of it is meaningless. Because all it does is help other people. Now, that is a great outlook on life, isn't it? Isn't that good on a Monday morning? But Timothy Keller says this in his book, Every Good Endeavour, work is essential to human dignity. We too often demean it and don't celebrate it. So we read in the Bible, don't we read, of carpenters, fishermen, tent makers, stonemasons, educators, people on waiting tables, administrators, builders, architects, cooks, carers. And Timothy Keller says this, he says, God left creation with deep untapped potential for cultivation that people were to unlock through their endeavor. Now when he talks about every good endeavor, he's not just talking about paid work, he's talking about volunteering, serving others, Mission work, uh, looking after children, it could mean all kinds of different endeavors, every good endeavor. So in Genesis, I'm going to look at just a couple of verses in Genesis here. Chapter 1, nipping back to the beginning, verse 31 to chapter 2 and verse 2. So Genesis 1 to 31, starting there. So God, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So God, on each day, at the end of the day, looked at what he's created and said he thought that he was good. He was highly satisfied. So now there is something greatly satisfying of doing a day's work or putting our minds to a certain 
task. And sometimes it's a task that kind of spreads if you're studying over a number of years. And there's something fulfilling of looking back and saying that was good. Now, we can't compete with God's kind of good because he's the creator. I mean, he's good. He's outstandingly good, isn't it? And our good might be quite good, but there's something satisfying of putting our attention and our minds to something. Now, we all have a vocation of calling into service at whatever the season of life. And J. John says this, that often we refer to work as the daily grind or the rat race. The problem is, when we stop work, we realize we're still all rats anyway. It doesn't really change. And Keller says this, work is a place to develop our character and preparation for the work that we will do forever. So what we do down here has uh, importance. Now, some people think that work is a result of the fall. Back in the Garden of Eden, that the reason we have to work hard is a result of the fall. And I remember one pastor saying that his son said this to, to him. He says, I don't like Adam and Eve. If it wasn't for him, for them, I wouldn't have to clean my room. The only reason I cleaned my room is because of what they did in the Garden of Eden. That's not quite true. Because work actually is part of paradise. It was part of paradise. And we will be doing things in heaven. I'm not just going to be sitting around in heaven. You're not going to be just sitting around in heaven. We're going to be doing some amazing stuff. And look back and think, that was great that I was able to do this. We're going to be doing a lot of things. So even though the work, work, endeavor, working on things was part of the plan, rest is part of the plan too. Aren't you glad that that God um, built into creation the seventh day? It was so important for us that he did that. And in Genesis 2 verse 3, the next verse says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he was doing. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work. So holy day, holiday, that's where we get the term holiday. And uh, it's because God wrote it into creation that we get holidays that we get holy days, because we get time off. Now, all of us are in different seasons of life. Uh, Some of us are working in certain ways and not certain ways. So what I say for the rest of this message over the next few minutes, you'll need to um, join up the dots yourself. I'm not going to tell you all that you need to do. But God knows, firstly, first one I'd like to make with this, is that God knows that we need rest. He knows that we need rest. And he kindly built into creation. He models it and commands it, not simply suggests it. And we also pick this up in the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, so this must be quite important, and it's the longest worded commandment. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole uh, commandment, but in Exodus 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. For six days you will do your work. On the seventh day you shall not do any work. So the Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai when after the Israelites, after 400 years, had, uh, God had rescued them from Egypt. And God was putting a stamp on their freedom. So all the Ten Commandments is about their freedom. And uh, not only Exodus records the Ten Commandments, but Deuteronomy does as well. So Deuteronomy 5.15 says this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with his mighty hand. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. 
You see, God's intention was that they wasn't going to jump from one aspect of slavery into another. He wanted to set them free. And them observing the Sabbath or the gift of the Sabbath or the gift of the rest was a clear indication that they belonged to God because it was different to how everybody else lived. Now, people often boast about how many hours they work or how many days they work back to back or how little holidays that they take. It's changing uh, a little bit, but people can do that. The only problem is that it's clear that this puts stress on relationships, it puts stress on our bodies, on our uh, organs, uh, particularly day after day. You hear so many stories of people retiring and then passing away very quickly. And uh, it's because you can't... There's certain things that we can cope with and certain things that we can't cope with. God knows that we need rest. And Timothy Keller says this, The work-obsessed mind, as in our Western culture tends to look at everything in terms of efficiency, value, and speed, but that may, there also must be the ability to enjoy the most simple and ordinary aspects of life, even ones that are not strictly useful, but just delightful. Now, modern society, we call ourselves modern, 50 years, they'll be modern, they'll look back and they'll think that all our you know, electronics are really, what was that, weren't they? But we have all these labor-saving devices just so that we can rush around more and that's often what we do and like I say we need to join up the dots but um, Rick Warren who heads up a massive church or did just retired in uh, America 15,000 people in his church and I like this he says generally speaking don't work all day don't work all week don't work all year plan in your rest be intentional about your rest we regularly need to press the refresh button. So God knows that we need rest. Secondly, uh, we clear on his heart is there should be rest from exploitation. People shouldn't be exploited. It's said that the Sabbath legislation that they, the Israelites exacted in, in Exodus as they came out of Egypt was among the, uh, well sorry, it was unique amongst the cultures of their time. So they were the only ones that were living with this day of rest or this period of rest. Other cultures weren't doing it. So this was a special gift. And the idea was that they would work with this and the rest of the world would see it, this gift from God. And in Exodus 20, it 20 goes on to say that the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your children, your servants, your oxen or donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner uh, residing in your towns, so that your servants may rest as you do. So the Sabbath is to remove exploitation or people being exploited for their work. And God is saying you're not simply units of capacity in Ferrer's brick-producing system because they had spent day after day after day after day making brick after brick after brick after brick for Ferrer and all the buildings and the empire he wanted to bring. And uh, God is saying, you know, this, you need to get this out of your system. You're exploited for 400 years, but this is not how I see it. And God is not into exploitation. Now, today we talk about the on-call life, don't we? Because we kind of, at times, always feel on-call because people can get old hold of us all the time. So we used to be able to kind of 
lock our doors and leave the phone off the hook or not answer it. But now people can get hold of us all the time. Workplaces can get hold of us all the time through social media, through text, through emails, whatever. You know, every waking hour and more, you can wake up in the morning and see something from, from work. You know, if you go to the bathroom during the night, no, you're too young to go to the bathroom during tonight, most of you. And um, so, even during the night, there's uh, messages, I guess, that you can, you can pick up. I'm amazed sometimes when I wake up in the morning, what time people send messages. It's, it's, it is amazing. Now, I remember George Vera. Now, George Vera is a hero of the faith in modern times, 20th century. He um, initiated Operation Mobilization, young people going all over the world. And if you Google George Vera, then you'll, he's a hero of the faith. Unfortunately, he passed away this past week, which is, which is quite sad. And, um, but I remember him speaking in, a few years ago, talking about social media, and he, he was in his 80s. And he mentioned to everybody who was there that... Um, that um, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube were going to become, back then, one company. And it was going to simply be called You Twit Face. <laughs> Which, at that point, we knew it wasn't true. <laughs> now, Patrick McGuinness, Harvard Business, in Harvest Business Magazine, in 2004, for coined a popular a thing called FOMO. FOMO. Have you heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out. And it is said, researchers said, that generally that FOMO, fear of missing out, negatively impacts mood and life satisfaction if you're just tied to this. Now, this afternoon, that's this afternoon, a Helium, Helium head office wanted me to tell you this, remind you of this, that you're going to get a text from the government. I don't know if you know that. Or a siren is going to go off, isn't it? At three o'clock. Now, I hope to be finished by then. I, I do. I do hope to be finished by then, by three o'clock. And uh, this siren is going to go off, and it's kind of warning if, if something terrible is happening in the area. So it's just a test. So if your phone goes off, you can just turn it off. If you turn your phone off, it's fine. If you're driving, don't stop and... Use your phone, okay? So, Isaac, continue to the McDonald's drive-thru. You're fine. Don't stop and look at your phone. <laughs> it'd be me, it'd be KFC, but there you go. Don't stop and look at your phone. But there should be rest from exploitation. And sometimes, you know, every, people are out there wanting to exploit us. They really do. want to exploit us and uh, put upon us. So, Keller says this, Work is not all that there is to life, but you will not have a meaningful life without work, but you cannot say that work is the meaning of your life. And I think that's a good point. So God was not into exploitation. Thirdly, there should be rest from having to produce or to think. There should be rest for having to produce or to think. Now, there is a good drive within us to produce and to achieve, and they're good, but things should not become an idol. Work should not become an idol. Now, an idol... Somebody said this, I thought it was helpful. It's something good, but which becomes the ultimate thing. That is an idol. So for six days, you should do your work. Work should not become an idol. Seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Now, in general terms, of course, there's phases of our life where we need to work in order to earn money. And that's the right thing 
to do. And some people often say, I just need to make sure I have enough. But what is enough? How much is enough? Now, in Lamentations, it says this, those who love money will never have enough. So if you love money, then there's no figure. We'll never have enough. They reckon that the average family ambition is to make as much money as they are spending. And that a budget is a mathematical confirmation of our suspicions. People aim to make ends meet just when they think ends meet, the ends move. For most people, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Now, if you have a roof over your head, food in the fridge, clothes on your back and the front, that'll be good. You're already richer than 75% of people in the world. If you have money in the bank, then you are richer than 80% of people in the world. Those who love money will never have enough. Now, it's good to earn, don't get me wrong. It's good to have nice things. Please don't misunderstand me in any way, shape, or form. But C.S. Lewis, you know, what drives us? C.S. Lewis says this, pride gets no pleasure out of having something only out of having more than the next man or the next person. And somebody said this week, the problem often isn't the high cost of living, it's the cost of high living that is the problem. And I think there's a difference. So in the desert, when we see in the Ten Commandments, you know, when they're in the desert, um, God miraculously provided manna for them, didn't he, and, and quail. And I uh, won't go into all the detail. You can look it up in Exodus. So God provides manna supernaturally for them. And he kind of links this into creation and the days of the week because he says, gather the manna on six days of the week and not seven, didn't he? But they couldn't help themselves. They still did it. And, 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 and I think God was disappointed, not because they broke the command, but I think God was saying, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? Why, why are you still doing this? Can't you trust me? Can't you step out and trust me? And there's many Christians have stepped out and just trusted God and say, no, no more than six days of the week. And sometimes it does come down as to how we value ourselves, how valued we value other people sometimes. And whether we're able to trust God. In Matthew 6, verse 25, is this. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wild flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? And there's times when we just say, God, I'm going to do what you say. Going to follow your values, your directives. And I, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I am going to trust you here. So, there should be rest from having to produce. And finally, finally, there is rest within a rest. This is really good for us as Christians. There's a rest within a rest. So, Exodus 20, verse 11, it says this. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, there's something written in creation, six days, seven days, that blesses the whole of creation. It's God's common grace to the world, whether they follow him or not. If they follow this value, it will be a common blessing. The wonderful thing for us as believers in Christ is that there's actually a rest within a rest. 
Now, sometimes I think uh, I wasn't brought up to go to church, but I get the impression that decades ago, that a lot of people thought that the Sabbath or taking a rest or even Sundays was God's way of stopping all of our fun. I think that's how they kind of interpreted you have a break and you make sure you don't enjoy yourself. Um, and I remember, I think I might have said before, Win Lewis, who used to head up Elim, used to head up Kensington Temple, big Elim church in London, and uh, he was from a very traditional church upbringing. And I remember him saying that even on a Sunday, for the budgie, they put a cover, cover on the cage and took the perch out to make sure that the budgie, there was nobody in the house having a good time on that day. That's a little bit sad, isn't it? A little bit sad. I don't know what you do with a dog or anyway. But that's what it was like. But that's not what it's like. That's not what this is talking about. You see, there's physical rest, isn't there? There's physical rest. And uh, in our connect group the other day, um, somebody was saying in the podcast that Sabbath, one, one of the means of Sabbath is stop. You stop. That's one of the means of Sabbath is, is you stop. But with the Sabbath... And you read through Scripture, because the Bible interprets the Bible, doesn't it? You can't just take a verse. The Bible interprets the Bible. God wants us to have a good time. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it in all the fullness. I don't think he was meaning taking the perch out of the budgie cage. I think he was thinking a little bit different to that. And I think that rest is also doing things that we enjoy. And that's why, you know, if you don't work all day or work all week... We, we're intentional of things that we enjoy doing. Now, that's different, different people. Say, so you can't really say, oh, you can't do this on a Sunday or that on a Sunday. People find rest in different things. I mean, thankfully, Wendy finds rest in gardening. I don't like gardening. I don't mind mowing the lawn and sitting on it. But, I, I, you know, different things refresh us. We're all different. As I've said before, Wendy's a morning person. I'm neither a morning nor an evening person. It's just the way that it is. I just like a lot of sleep. So we're, we're, all, we're all different, aren't we? So what this means. But let me say this. So there's this physical rest that is stopping, okay? And then there's doing things that replenish us. And they're good to plan in. And thirdly, there's a rest within a rest that the world cannot do or get whatever it does because it only is found in our relationship with him. There's a rest. So there's a rest that can't come... Now, just having an evening watching TV or a few days watching TV can bring a certain amount of rest, but that's not a rest within a rest. There's a rest within a rest that's totally different that could only come through, we, we replenished through that relationship with God that we also have to cultivate. Now, one of the wonderful things of Genesis, isn't it, is, is at the end of the day or the cool of the day that Adam and Eve walk in the garden in the presence of God. Not a bad way to end the day, is it? Not a bad way. And let me say this, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, our connection with God is no less. It's the freedom is there in order to do that. Now, I'm not saying it's got to be at a certain time of day, but there's a rest in a rest that only comes as we cultivate that uh, relationship. Colin Piper says this, unless we regularly stop work, take time to worship, and also simply enjoy the world, including the fruit of our labor, 
We cannot truly experience meaning in our lives. And with the Ten Commandments and back in Genesis, is if God is putting a stamp on our freedom and a stamp on our relationship with Him. And we must invest in that relationship. Now, of course, we know that Sundays we come to church, we gather. I could go into a whole sermon about why that's important. I won't do that now. I'll do that as another time. Although we've got till three o'clock, haven't we? So, no, I won't do that. But I thought it was wonderful. So, you know, I've just been over at Weedy Castle and Rachel was telling the congregation they had a prayer and worship night two or three years, weeks ago on a Sunday evening. And you might think, okay, they're there Sunday morning. What about they're there Sunday evening? But they had a great time. Last week, uh, those of you who are here, we had David and Greta Peters with us and on the Saturday morning. And, and I know it was really short notice and a lot of people had things planned. People came, but people here, you know, they shared words and blessed and... People went away incredibly refreshed. And what I'm saying is sometimes we need to do other things. We need to do things that invest in our relationship with God. And, and I'm not saying we should have been at church meetings all, all the time. Don't misunderstand me. But there's times when we need to do something different. We need to do something slightly extra. We need to take hold of that opportunity. We think, oh, okay, I'm a bit busy, I'm a bit tired, but I know this will be good for me. And, and it's so important that we cultivate this rest within a rest. Because, let me say this, time in God's presence, you know, it just refreshes us very quickly and very powerfully. Now, I know that we've talked about work today, but let me just throw in just uh, one or two things. For some of us, we can feel exploited, not just by our work, but by other people. We can feel exploited by, even by family, say that in the right way. We can feel exploited. We can feel everything is our responsibility. And it's not as if we don't want to be caring. We have to be careful that exploitation can come through many different means. So, let me read a few statements from the Bible that I hope will encourage you as I close. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You see, because even in the desert, even though they had the Ten Commandments, even God provided manna and quail, it still didn't mean that there wasn't going to be challenges and conflicts and effort. But God says, he will keep in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. The world puts all kinds of yokes upon you. Things we put yokes upon ourselves. And he says, Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if you think being a Christian is this heavy load, that's not, the, that's not what God's intending. There's a freedom. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Be still and know that I am God. Let's rise to our feet. I'm going to pray and uh, be good to stand. I've been sitting for a little while. And it'd be good to pray into this. So, Because like I said, you might not think that this is an area of life that God wants access because he just wants to pour out his blessing in this area. He wants to pour out his blessing in this area. Now life can be busy, we know that. But in the area of rest, God wants to pour out his blessing. 
So before I pray, I'm going to invite you to, as the band set up, just to close your eyes for a moment. You don't have to do that to pray, but just going to invite you to do that. Because I had a picture for this morning that I'm going to share very simply as I pray. And it's a picture of three mountains. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talks about faith that moves a mountain. You say to this mountain to be moved, and it's not as if we move all the physical mountains, but just had a feel this morning that for some you, it just feels like a mountain on your back, or there's a mountain that's really weighing you down. And you're praying this morning, Lord, I know that that mountain needs to be removed now. That is really losing my peace, my rest, and that mountain needs to be moved. Something that's overwhelming you, being overwhelming you. Secondly, was a, the second mountain was a mountain that people were climbing because it, it's not as if all the mountains move. Sometimes there's mountains to be climbed and uh, it can take a bit of effort to get to the top, to, to work something through, to see something through. But God would give you strength as you go up this particular Mountain. It's not as if the mountain's unavoidable, but he will give you strength as you go up this mountain. And for some, that's your prayer this morning. And he will give you rest even as you go up this mountain. And the third mountain was a mountain where people were just happily dwelling in God's presence. And in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, often people would go up a mountain to spend time with God. You don't need to go up a mountain, but it symbolized God's presence. And I just had this picture of people having a new um, connection with God in his presence like sitting on a mountain having this panoramic view seeing God's bigger picture and just resting in his presence because he knows the end from the beginning and for some of you this morning God just wants to be that ability to rest in his presence in a fresh way so let's pray into that briefly this morning Lord we do thank you that you write so much into creation to bless us But Lord, I thank you, we thank you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And your presence is within our lives. And Lord, I pray this morning for those, Lord, whose yoke is just so overwhelming. For some, Lord, we pray that in the name of Jesus, that mountain will be removed. That mountain will move. That there will be such a release in individuals' hearts, maybe from mountains, might be self-inflicted, might be self-imposed, might not even be a real mountain, just something that we feel, that mountain would be removed and that there'd be a freedom, Lord, within people's hearts. They'll know the difference. A weight, a weight will be lifted off. We pray, Lord, for those who just feel as if life is just climbing a a mountain and seem to get towards what we think is the peak and then find out there's a higher peak behind it. And Lord, pray for those who really, Lord, just feel as if they're climbing a mountain and it's hard work. That your strength, Lord, would come. Each day there will be renewing of strength as they wait upon you. And Father, that you'd even give rest as they climb the mountain. And uh, as the psalm says, where does my help come from? As I look to the hill, where does the help come from? And it comes from the Lord who is our strength. And Lord, we pray for a release of strength, Lord into people's hearts and father we pray for each of us that when we come into your presence that lord we would allow you to come and access all areas new areas that would enjoy being in your presence and not rushing away so quickly thinking oh i've done that i've been there 
But Father, new waves of engagement with you. And within this busy world, Lord God, and the different priorities we have, Lord, show us those areas or ways that we can cultivate that relationship. We pray, Lord, that you would bring that freshness. Show us how to do this. We thank you for each other, Lord. We thank you that being in your presence together refreshes us. You know each of our lives. You know each of our homes. You know each of our endeavors. You know each of our families, each of our workplace. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus you would access those areas more fully and bring your grace and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.